Music. Everyone loves it. But did you know that the history of music goes all the way back to the 1960s? It all started with a group of mop-top Liverpudlian lads who took the world by storm in an offensive called the British Invasion. 200 million people died. But the 60s were a great time for music. Madonna's Beautiful Stranger, a song she wrote about Austin Powers, was at the top of the charts for nine years. Then Vietnam happened. Nobody made any songs about it, so nobody had the motivation to protest it. Then, Jimi Hendrix played a shitty guitar solo that ended the war. After that, the American government realized the error of its ways and decided never to make war again. With no war, there was no more purpose for music, so they locked all the music in the vault, kind of like the premise of Animaniacs. And now, this show is like Animaniacs, where we come out of like the vault, and we have chronic, chronic mischief, or comic mischief, whatever the fuck. Um, were those mice? Yeah, they were like little rodent Some sort kids. of uh, Dog, rodent. rodent. Some sort of hybrids. vermin. The U.S. Uh, actually made them in Vietnam as some kind of weird freak thing to go into the tunnels weapons. and whatever. Yeah. They're infected with anthrax. But that's a very clear um, explanation of what we're doing on this show. So, you know, I'm here with uh, Derek and Alex. Dan's supposed to be part of the show, but he's on tour. So, uh, you know, I don't know, Derek, if you want to make a play to like usurp him, you've got like 30 minutes to convince everyone that either you are him or... That's not going to happen. What I'm going to do is do such a shitty job that when Dan comes on, people will be like, thank God. That's good because it gives us something to like uh, strive toward, I guess, you know? Yeah, you can have that nice second episode bump, which is what you want. Yeah, you don't want to go into a sophomore slump on the podcast here. But, you know, anyway, what we're doing is uh, like every other week we're going to do a new song and just talk about it and probably go way off topic all the time. I don't know. The song we got today was put together within the last week, and I think that's probably going to be kind of like par for the course here. And whose song are we going to listen to today? So this one is my song, but obviously there's a bunch of other people on it, you know, but um, we're doing like some Donald Rumsfeld shit here where it's like you go to war with the army that you have, not the army that you want, you know? What's that mean? The army of one. Yeah, the army of one. That's what the U.S. Army is. I mean, they should probably have more people in it. Yeah, we have one troop, but he's really good. It was Chris Kyle was the army of one, and now they got a new guy. Oh, uh, who's the new guy? I don't know. I think it's this song, I guess, if my Rumsfeld metaphor. I don't know. Why oh, am I that's thinking about sick. the Iraq War or something? Oh, I was going to say, uh, there actually is a song about Vietnam. It's Fortunate Song by, uh, <laughs> by Credence. Oh, by Creed? <laughs> by Creed, Yes. <laughs> Oh, I see you know the song. I see you're, I see you're familiar with it uh, already. Songs like uh, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor caused the Iraq War. When you have <laughs> People got too aggro. They needed to get some of the aggression Exactly. Out. You have you know, weapons-grade, unregulated weapons-grade music. How are you going to do anything but go to war in order to like play that shit in the tank, you know? Woodstock 99, they were taking it out on their own country. Now. Yeah, exactly. So we they, had to go somewhere else. They needed else. to send them out somewhere else. I think the Family Values Tour really influenced uh, the wars we got into in the 2000s. <laughs> That's 100% accurate. I think it's fucked up that they called it that. You know, what if a Christian went to that thinking it was something... Um, uh, they would. Some, they would absolutely lose their shit. I mean, like, imagine being someone who went to that thinking it was going to be wholesome, and then it's just these, like... These guys in dreads doing really freaky deaky shit. I mean, you would be <laughs> it would you just would flip blow, your wig, blow my probably. mind. You've got rage like, against pe- the machine on stage. People fainting, like, like capitalism isn't good. 
you're holding your Bible and, and your flag that says capitalism is good. You know. They should have called it the Un-American Values Tour. It was some fucking bullshit, man. They should cancel it. Well, all those artists have already OD'd, so... The Family Values Tour is what it was called for anyone who did a tour of Iraq in 2003. Oh, I was listening to Crazy Town earlier. There's there's some good Crazy Town songs. The reviewers weren't kind to them, but they have some, uh, they have some deep tracks other than Butterfly. That's actually what this show is about, is critical reappraisal of Crazy Town. I think... I think the the trend toward acceptance of new metal is already uh, already happening. How about some new new metal? Am I right? How about some numa numa metal? <laughs> My uh, he. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. All right. On that note, that's going to transition perfectly into playing the song. Yeah. What are we so What are we doing here? Let's just play the song right now.
Man, that shit sucks. <laughs> we were supposed to listen to uh, Crazy Town, right? Is that yeah, what we just said? Yeah, that's what it's said? called. It's by the band Butterfly. Butterfly by Crazy... No, it's Butterfly by... No, Crazy Town by Butterfly. Crazy Butterfly by Creedence Clearwater Revival. It was about Vietnam. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess I should like say something about what I did here. Um, it's your song. You have to take ownership of it. We can't tell you what it means. I probably like... The original idea of it, I probably came up with like just last month, you know, like a few weeks ago. When I when I did like a really shitty demo of it, I felt like it was kind of like Let It Be era Beatles, where it's kind of like sleepy and shitty in a way. You know what I mean? Like how everything on that everything on the album to me sounds like they're really tired and shit. Um, then I tossed it to Alex, and he added like a rhythm section that to me sounded like like Tears for Fears or something, where it was a really driving and kind of like droney bassline. But that's not the version we heard, right? Um, no, no. And then so last like Wednesday and Thursday, I was in the studio just working on a bunch of stuff. And that's when I recorded this. And I feel like it kind of turned into like dad rock Wilco stuff. But to be fair, the last couple Wilco albums were actually really good. So like, you know. Well, I, I was going to say uh, I would be interested in hearing the uh, demo that you said that sounds Tears of Fearsy. I might Tears be exaggerating, but that's how it seemed to me. I'll, I'll splice it into here when we put this together. It's not that different than the... You, you took a lot of the ideas from it. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the final arrangement. I got a little wacky. When I actually did the bass line, I was, I was feeling like too clever, and there's so many fucking fills and shit, but I think it turned out all right, you know? So this is like a genuine sort of collaboration, right? Between you and Alex? I mean, sort of, yeah. Like, he definitely... By adding that rhythm section, it definitely gave it some shape and direction, you know? And then the guitar so, solo yeah, was just recorded a, today by my friend Evan. All right. I That's don't, don't want to, like, tell you how to do your podcast, but it might be interesting if you started with that first demo that you mentioned that was Lit It Be-ish, then we listened to the Tears for Fears, and then we listened to the final version, which is Wilco. Well, I wish you had told me that before I said well, any of this. I wouldn't have said I that stuff if I knew you were going to tell me that when I said it. Perfectly well, obvious. Idea. I think it's perfectly obvious. <laughs> okay, well now it's perfectly obvious. Now that I fucking came up with it, yeah. Okay, look, we're going to do it in reverse order. Here now is the one that was Tears for Fears ish. That was Beatles-ish to me. Spliced all that in there, and now you right. look like an idiot, Derek, because I did everything exactly the opposite of how you thought I should. I mean, if you're just gonna 
if you're going to account for how you edit the episode, I guess I do look like an idiot. You can just make me say whatever you want. Yeah, I have like some algorithm that I'm teaching to sound like you. You should make it say the N-word. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's not a bad on. idea. <laughs> Get this guy kicked off the freaking internet. I apologize to all the listeners for having such a problematic first guest. Okay, but so Alex I'm just wasn't... Trying to, I'm just trying to get rid of him. I don't know. I understand. You guys want to keep Dan. I'm fucking things up with my energy, my negative energy. But, uh, okay, so Alex wasn't on the final recording, but... No, he was. Alex, Actually, there's one guitar on there. Yeah, he's playing a guitar on it. It's like the... Okay. Is that a flanger or what is that that's on that? It's uh, the uh, Leslie speaker. For, for the non-technically minded... Uh, music lovers at home listening to the podcast is that the crunchy guitar or the guitar that's like i think it's the second one there but i don't know it's the one that's cleaner yeah it's only during i guess you could call it the chorus or whatever i didn't really conceive it as like verse and chorus because it's just one long chord progression that i just repeated four times you know well i got news for you buddy that's the chorus yeah i guess it turned out to be one you know i think that's a chorus yeah i think it's a solo what did you uh what did you start with? Did you start with uh did you start with the chord progression or did you start with the lyrics? Yeah, I pretty much always start with the chord progression and then I just like mumble a melody while I play it. You know what I mean? Like That's the way to go. And then yeah, I just kind of work from there. I'm a little disappointed. I'm always fascinated by uh songwriters who say they have like a lyric book that they consult while writing. But I think most people do the thing that you said. They yeah. just like hum along to it and then well, fill the it thing. in with just bullshit later. I find it hard to like, yeah, write down like lyrical ideas, just thinking of a phrase that you think is like, because <laughs> you would look at it and it would just be like, this shit sucks. <laughs> yeah, the only way I kind of believe that is like. You can't like, just have it sitting there by itself. Once I have a melody, sometimes there's some unfinished old song lyrics that fit into it and I just copy paste them into it. But it's usually like a happy accident and not like, oh, let me go through my booklet of. Uh, you know, a Jim Morrison caliber genius here. You could carry around a moleskine and just, you know, yeah, put down your deepest thoughts, flip it open whenever, uh, whenever you're stuck. Yeah, it's pronounced moleskiny. <laughs> Molest. Mol- oh my god, Derek's been canceled twice in this episode already. <laughs> you can edit anything out you want. No, yeah, I'm well, gonna edit more. I'm gonna edit more bad stuff molest, in. Molest, so. Damn, that's fucked up of you to do to me. I'm treated like a dog. Yeah, I mean, since we've already established, like, you know, like, music production and uh, mixing and editing and all that, you should make the podcast really experimental and have us all with different levels of reverb, descending echoes and other weird shit. Just run everyone through a different pedal and keep moving the knobs constantly. Yeah. I'm going to have a Digitech whammy and just keep shifting the pitch up and down. Yeah, get some you of that, the whole thing through a metal whammy bar on there, some flanger, you know. I'm kind of I I think there's like an obvious back when I did What's up? No, but but what's up? What's up? No, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh no, I was just, I think this is almost going more off the rails here, but like there's a definite danger of talking about pedals constantly cuz then only like pedal guys are going to want to listen to this shit, you know what I mean? Oh, I, I I sold all my pedals a long time ago. I don't. I, totally on the computer now. Oh damn, dude! I love pedals. Too. Yeah, I don't, I don't even have an amp. 
All you need is like a $60 Digitech uh, multi-pedal from like the 90s. It's got everything you need. I mean, that, that honestly is good enough. All you need is a Line 6 amp and the Fender, uh, the Squire Strat. That's really all you need. So I guess uh, speaking of this song... I'm trying Speaking to of this of song, anything about it here? Yeah, so I guess something I just like. Oh, tell us how you tracked it in the studio. Yeah, yeah. What, so we'll, what do you start with? You do it to a click. Oh yeah, I feel like it's, everything for this is probably gonna be done to a click, right? Since we're passing this around between like so many people. But um, today, like recording my friend solo today, I just have like a setup right now where I've got like a one by twelve like orange tiny tear in the closet. And I, in my bedroom, and I just throw a bunch of blankets over it while I record it, and it actually works pretty well to like silence it. Are you scared of it? Yeah, because of the name. Is that why you're yeah exactly blankets over it? Uh, we, we were recording with the lights off, and we had a like a we we're hiding behind the bed and going. It sounds like a g- 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 ghost when we heard the amp. That's a pretty frightening amp. I'm still a little confused about how many people are actually on the track. Because when you first sent this to me, I assumed you just played all the instruments. No, uh, my other friend, Dan, we got Dan B, we got Dan T, we got all kinds of Dans around here. But my other friend, Dan, played drums. Uh, my friend, Evan, did the solo. We got Dan on drums. We got Evan on the solo. We got, we got uh, Alex, Alex on, on that one guitar. guitar. And then we got me on everything else, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so that's a quartet right there. I guess you could say that. We're like the Beatles. Oh. It ended up like the Beatles after all. That's pretty crazy. We should send this to yeah, Sean. We should send this to Sean Lennon and see what he thinks, Alex. Has he blocked me yet? I didn't respond to him too much. What a little what a little prick that guy is. That guy's a weasel. John Lennon's shitty second son. Uh, Welcome to the first episode of <laughs> Fuck Sean Lennon. Uh, the, the worst of John Lennon's sons, by far. The, probably the worst child of any Beatle. Yeah, he's just really into the intellectual dark web and all the fired for truth professors. And uh, it kind of sucks because his, uh, his dad was uh, kind of cool. He wasn't perfect, but at least he wasn't fucking lame. Yeah, at least he made the best Watch, songs. Watching. The well, most of them. George Harrison made some of the other ones, but you know. Toward the end, George Harrison was. Uh, Early making some of the best ones. But early on, uh, he kind of sucks shit. Yeah, absolutely. Until, until like, until help, I think. Yeah. I mean, he was the yeah. youngest one, too, and Paul McCartney was such a fucking asshole to him early on and shit. Like, yeah, he kind of sucked till like, the Traveling Wilbury's second album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really started <laughs> they, pulling it together. Then he hit it out of the park. The Traveling Wilburys kind of sucked. Got it. Have you guys seen the... Um, the album cover of George Harrison's. I want to say the album's called like Cloud Nine or something. I'm going to look it up now. That was a cool album. The album cover that's so good. He just looks like he's fucking coked out of his mind, but it's the 80s, so he's got the worst sunglasses ever on. It's so I cool. was thinking about that when I, when I was uh, doing the arrangement for this song. <laughs> I was thinking of like the, the hey, Jeff Lynn uh, hey, production. speaking of this song. Oh, you're making yeah, fun of me now? A, oh, he's got a fucking... Look at that shirt. It's so cool. That's such a badass shirt. Oh, the way he's smiling, awesome. <laughs> he's like grinding his teeth together because he's so coked out. Hell yeah. Dude, that's such Those a cool... Those white-ass teeth that were edited in. Yeah. <laughs> the Traveling Wilburys just didn't... They didn't have any good songs, really. I've pretty much never listened to them. Like, I couldn't name any actual song of theirs. They had uh, two singles, and I don't know. It's just like... The videos are weird because it like it doesn't really seem like they're friends. 
<laughs> and also, like, why would you? Why would you have Bob Dylan as like a vocalist in your group? It's almost it's almost like a joke. What do you think about the uh, that Jeff Lynne, uh the production style? I like the production style when it's like a good song. Like, um, uh, fuck, I don't even remember what it's called. I just know it is "Wan My Wan My Grand" now because of Mikey Miles. But <laughs> uh, I won't back down. That's a great song. Like that that production style is like perfect for that. But it can work for like some really, songs. It's really strange when it's, really when it's applied to like song. a rock, a normal rock song without synths or anything. Yeah, it just gets when really muddy. When it's a boring muddy. song, it just feels like plotting. Yeah, a truly great production style will take a boring song and make it more interesting. And Jeff Lynne can't do that. Those uh, the re-recordings he did of those old John Lennon demos um, that uh, John Lennon recorded. Speaking of uh, 1975 to 1980 in the Dakota, uh, when he was recording those songs instead of uh, beating his kid. Um, enough. <laughs> uh, anyway, those, de- uh, those demos were remade by Jeff Lynne for the Beatles anthology. Okay, I didn't know that, actually. And, uh, yeah, they were, like, just blown way out. The production was just I mean, they were ridiculous, ridiculous because those were, like, intimate home, like, piano sketches. Yeah. They weren't even if finished you listen songs. To if you listen to the demo of Real Love by John Lennon, that's like an incredible song. That's like on the level of like Beatles songs. But they just, uh, they goofed it up. It, it sounds ridiculous. I, I don't really understand why they even got Jeff Lynne to do that instead of just, George Martin was still alive. It's because he was, uh, George Martin, I think he said that his hearing was going or he had tinnitus or something. I think he was, was writing like, uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, damn. And he hasn't even finished that, so he's really not doing anything. And now he's dead, so he's he's definitely not finishing the books now. I mean, he could. He's got time. Nothing but time when you're well, dead. he's dead. Well, he's dead. I mean, are we going to get into the nature of the afterlife for the British here? I assume well, the British have a different a, afterlife than we do. I mean, I Is he going to do it through a Ouija board? Uh, when a British person dies, they get to join the queen, become part of her spirit. <laughs> They're buried with her. <laughs> <laughs> this song kind of reminds me of... Uh, I don't know if you ever listened to that band Level Up. No. Okay, it's kind of it reminds me of like. Do they make songs about Mega Man? Uh, <laughs> so, so one of those ones. JRPGs. No, you're, th- you're thinking of one of like forty other bands, but no, not this one. Oh, I'm in those, by the way. You're in I'm the actually, uh, uh, the mini bosses or whatever the fuck they're called. I actually invented the genre of um, of Mega Man Core making. Yeah, making really shitty music about a video game from 30 years ago for, like, Gen X guys wearing cargo cargo pants. You can play a sold-out concert to 20 guys who will buy all your merch. They got cargo pants, so if you got CDs, they're designed perfect for just fitting, like, 20 You can CDs headline an anime convention. Guys whose booksmarks bar is entirely webcomics. <laughs> the whole thing, not even, like, Gmail. Uh, Penny Arcade's still cranking <laughs> them out. comics. <laughs> Mega Tokyo is still really good. 8-bit theater. 8-bit theater, God. Uh, subscribe to the VG Cats um, nude Patreon or whatever. Oh, that's a bad one. That's uh, I mean, I guess if you have those fans, you might as well extract money from them. <laughs> if you have fans who want to see like the, the cat who talks about how the Xbox is big 
with like tits drawn on it <laughs> yeah. for like a hundred dollars a month. Like I, I mean, it would well, be I mean, a, what the fuck else it would be are you going to take that long to, to extract that money from? Them. What else are you going to do when you're like ten or fifteen years into this career that you didn't realize wasn't going to last forever? Drawing cartoon cats talking about video games. I feel like you could probably leverage a webcomic into something bigger now. Into like if you had. Maybe not like a webcom, but like drawing comics. I f- I feel like now, you could get that picked up into like a show or like the real smart money is waiting another ten years until like the whole Marvel thing dies out, and then there's going to be a whole like Hollywood boom for like Mega Tokyo Cinematic Universe and all this. <laughs> they're they're going to yeah. need new IP. Yeah, and they're exactly. just going to look over the fact that the VG Cats guy drew. The VG cats blowing each other or whatever for the private <laughs> Patreon account. Oh, they'll play into I want to see. I want to see that. I want to VG cats. <laughs> you, he cats. really does have a private Patreon Dudes. account that's like a lewd account where he posts the the VG cats chick and like spreading her pussy. Or so whatever. we're gonna be doing that for this podcast too. <laughs> well, that's um, that's just not what a cat looks like naked. Can you describe it to us? It's just um. I guess it's pretty standard furry art, but it's just like that's not a cat penis. That's not. Does it have no, the corkscrew thing on it? it? It should be barbed or something. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to, and like they're having fun, which is not supposed to happen. Cats don't have fun when they have sex. They're angry. They just shriek, shrill cries. So what you're saying is they're yeah, so they're, anthropomorphized that it's actually killing the believability to you. It would be more believable yeah, if they're more. I don't cat-like. believe that they're cats. They're not really cats at so all. So it takes you out of it and, and you can't hey, enjoy it at all. Wait a minute. Cats don't even like video games. What is this shit? This guy sucks. Yeah, they don't like it's I don't believe this at all. You know, uh, I want to condemn the Cats website. I'm going to condemn Alex here for looking up this great Patreon content that people should have paid for to see. He's looking at it for free. It just doesn't seem uh, ethical to me. You got you got to support your creators. Yeah. I'm on the dark web. Oh, is uh do you run into Sean Lennon there? <laughs> he he's on tour. <laughs> Yeah, him and uh, Eric Weinstein, they're arguing about the, the race, race and IQ difference, whether it's large or very large. The VG Cats website is, like, fixed width at, like, 480 pixels. <laughs> That's awesome. And when you scroll down at the background, like, refreshes constantly, so it's flickering. <laughs> is there a hit counter at the bottom? <laughs> no. I bet it's got a merch link. Does it say under construction yeah, and there's a gif of Pikachu with a drill going up and down? <laughs> I wish. They're like, man, there's just like one post a year and then the most recent post last year is, oh, I'm drawing porn now. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, is he even updating the comic? Is there a forum? I'm sure the forum is very good. Maybe he's not updating the comic. Is he Patreon exclusive now? It's just only yes, Patreon just, and only porn. There's no money in the normal. It's only but like anymore. why? Well, the fans were already jacking off to the VG cats. Yeah, like that's what was happening. And he just kind of became an adult. But like if it's said, if it stops being made, this. what attachment do you have to those characters? They've already formed the emotional bond with the VG cats. That's not going to degrade if they stop making the webcomic. I mean, I don't. I've never wanted to fuck a webcomic, so like, well, I don't know how this works. You got to read the webcomic since its inception to really form that bond. I think. How do you know this, Derek? Uh, yeah, I was reading Mega Tokyo for 1998 or whatever. VG Cat sells a shirt that's um, Link and the Fairy from Zelda. 
but drawn in the style of Rick and Morty. <laughs> Which uh, ne- he doesn't have the rights to either of those, so I don't think you can they, sell. Dude, they you want to sue him? Let's sue him. Spencer's. Let's sue him. Another one. Let's sue him on like, behalf got... of Nintendo and Rick and Morty, just because we're like looking out for brands and other intellectual property. Yeah, they, like he's got another one with Ash and Charmander. You can't sell that, dude. Twenty dollars? Um, are you kidding me? Are they fucking or <laughs> no? Not on the shirt. I wish they were. No, you have to go to the Patreon for that content. Yeah, fifty dollars. You get the T-shirt with them fucking on it. Hey, speaking of this song, <laughs> uh, what's what song? <laughs> uh, the song is titled. What is it titled? Eternity, right? Oh yeah. All right. I got. I'm gonna grill you with some more. Um, you know, sp- spin music section uh, level interview questions. Uh, the song's called Eternity. Uh, what would you say the song's about? To me, it seems like it's about a quarter-life crisis. Whoa, that seems like... Did you do that on purpose? If I'm having a quarter-life crisis and I'm like, I'm already 31, so you're making the assumption I'm going to live to 124. Um, I mean, the alternative is I say it's a midlife crisis and you're just going to live to 62 that's, and that's That sad. seems a lot more plausible to me, honestly. Well, Elon Musk is going to invent something so like white people can live as long as they want. Yeah. So. It'll be some kind of special bag you huff life molecules out of. It's going to be child blood. That, they already have be, that. It's going to be Thai children. Let's let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's sort of it's sort of a different it's a different thing from adrenochrome. It's sort of like THC and CBD. It's like it doesn't get you high like adrenochrome, but it, it just it, has the effects. Yeah. Oh. It helps your general health. It's good for like anxiety. But you do and vape it, it. It's like yeah. It's the other uh, the other component of of. Tortured child blood. Vaping uh, children chi- for eternity. C- CBD, child blood dispenser. So that's what the song's about. Yeah. You know, if you had named this song Child Blood Dispenser, I would have listened to it a completely different way. We should have named this project that. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't have even I wouldn't even heard the uh Wilco influence. I would have just been like, oh man, this is dark. The VG Cats guy is just I can't look away from this. Oh sorry, go ahead with the VG Cats guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Just the, he has eleven thousand followers on Twitter. It's just his tweets get no retweets. It's just and he's looking at it right now and he's tweeting about the Final Fantasy VII remake, which is the perfect. Like, is he selling a T-shirt of a screen cap from it yet? That would rock. Like that's the that's the thing I most associate with like video game forums in the early two thousands. It's just everyone's name being like Sephiroth 2. Yeah, XX underscore Sephiroth uh, 88 underscore XX. So the fact that he's talking about Final Fantasy VII is just so perfectly like early 2000s game. He knows his uh, market. Yeah. Dark Super Saiyan Squall. (laughs) That was a real question, though, Charles. What what is it? Lyrics. Okay, lyrics. You you said you said you come up with the lyrics by humming a melody. But yeah. the song ends up being about something in the end, right? Sort of, but I mean, like, it's kind do of impressionistic, right? I, I don't think I could do the whole thing off the top of my head because I wrote it in the last, like, two weeks. You know what I mean? I kind of know it now. If I had to perform it, I would learn it. Any of the learn lyrics what? stick out? <laughs> any of the lyrics stick out for you? What, what does that speak to? Any, any events in your life inspire you to write this song? You know what, Derek? First, you're taking over. These the are the show. real stupid ass questions that people yeah, why will do we ask have to you fucking listen songs? to you. Yeah, why do we have to listen to you ask all these questions like you're from Spin or whatever? I feel like you should just answer the question too over here, Mr. Hotshot. You know, you came on here. You're um, I, saying inappropriate words. Should I come up with words. my answers to 
how you wrote your song. I think that's what you should do. Yes, that's what I'm saying. All right, I might have a bit. I might have the wrong take though. Well, well, give it to me. I mean, the quarter life crisis was already the wrong take, so it can't be worse than that. Just, one. It was. Mega, it was wrong just based on how long you're gonna live. Yeah, 124 years. And the song's called Eternity, so I could support that reading easily. Ah, oh, fuck. I guess you're right about that. It's in the text. The author's dead. I'm gonna revise my take. I guess you're right, kind of. All right, I came up with a take for you, and then you agreed with it. So I think I get a point or whatever. However, this podcast works. The Mega Tokyo forums are mad at the Mega Tokyo guy for not drawing the comic. Oh shit! Has he? When was when was it still going? Is it like has he done one in like ten years? Last one was uh, two weeks ago, actually. Really? So it's not uh, not that long. I How mean, regularly that's, is... that's pretty active for that old of a comic. Are they it's mad because like? I mean, is he a Patreon guy too? Are is everyone just on Patreon now? I don't think so. There's a an official Mega Tokyo uh, store. Mm. But I don't think this guy is rocking my Mega Tokyo swag in 2019. Is he ch- selling like uh, a T-shirt of like a Charmander Fortnite skin or something? No, it's just uh, drawings of the characters being sexy. No one's gonna buy that shit. I, he, he wrote a sh- he wrote a short st- story called "The Smiling Merchant," which is not <laughs> um, not about what I thought it was gonna be. All right, the next uh, song on this show has to be called "The Smiling Merchant." It's about a cock. <laughs> the Smiling Merchant. The Smiling Merchant like, does sound like um, like a Final Fantasy VII song that plays like when you're in a small town. That could be like a prog rock song. We should actually totally do like a round of songs on this podcast where we each do like a video gamey song. I feel like you're making that suggestion because you already have those songs in your back pocket. And no, you, you know just... who actually does is Dan, <laughs> but he's not here to defend himself. But Dan told me that he does have that in his back pocket. R- really? Yeah. He's got like the Mystic Forest song or whatever. Yeah, he does, but I don't think he's going to let us hear it, though. It seems like he wasn't going to let it see the light of day. There is a Mega Tokyo Patreon. $2,000 a month. Not bad. Hey, not bad. Uh, And he's not even drawing him nude. What? What's worse? Like webcomics from the early 2000s, which are just about like the creators if they were hot and new cat girls, or webcomics now and they're just about amorphous blobs saying everything is okay drink water. I think the current ones are way worse, but I think maybe yeah, we can find the, some kind of current, synthesis between the two. The current ones don't even have a storyline. At least at least yeah, Mega Tokyo garbage, is man. continuing yeah, it's a either like, two decade long It's either arc. literally recreating the Zoloft commercials yeah. <laughs> or um or like just uh like a liberal like lecturing a conservative straw man that people uh, use to reply to Donald Trump with. Yeah, it's it's the equivalent of like the Marine in the philosophy class just kind of flipped, yeah. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> the guy it's it's basically like our version of a uh, like a picture of uh like the the drill sergeant from Saving Private Ryan or whatever just yelling at you a little toughen up snowflake. Derek, do you have any more interview questions? I mean, are you going to are you gonna bitch out and just uh, not answer them, or I, I feel like there's a pretty good chance I will, but I mean, I kind of want to hear. All them right. Anyway, you know? <laughs> well, I was gonna say I, I was kind of surprised at how how poppy it is comp- compared to your main project, Solid Solips. Am I pronouncing that right? Solips. Oh yeah, you got it. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I want to just make shit that's like fun and easy, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Solips usually has more almost like abrasive or post-hardcore-y elements at some at some points. Yeah, for sure. I think, like... So, this I, song wouldn't be a Solips song. 
I guess yeah, is my question. And I, think, I mean, my hope is with doing this is that like, because we're not beholden to doing like an album or something, we should just do wildly different shit every time, you know? But yeah, it should I like be like being fun. able to experiment. Yeah. I mean, the next song is going to be about sucking off cops, so... I mean, I think there's plenty within the text you could support that reading of this song. Yeah, that might actually just end up being the theme of every song. I was going to... Oh, s- this is amazing. This is... The uh, Mega Tokyo guy retweeted someone doing a take that's... Um, People in urban environments plant male trees instead of female trees because they don't drop seed pods on the sidewalk, uh, which causes more pollen to be in the air, and that's sexist against the trees. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so that's what the Mega Tokyo guy is apparently up to. Damn, tree sexism is some deeply under, like, underreported That's such problem. a great take to have. But like, what about like weed? You, uh, you, if you get a male plant, you got to kill it. You don't want a male plant. So, uh, I guess uh, it goes both ways. Whenever I see my friend and he's like leaning on a male tree, I'm like, what are you gay? (laughs) You know, that's such a backwards uh, attitude, Derek. Yet again. I I only feel that way about trees, by the way. I guess that's progressive because society hasn't advanced to the point where we're ready to accept trees unconditionally. Society hasn't advanced to that level of bigotry where uh, people discriminate against uh, male trees yet, but I'm already. I mean, it there. seems like we have, though, according to this Mega Tokyo dude. I mean, I think the Mega Tokyo guy needs to start drawing nudes. Yeah, he's got two thousand dollars on his Patreon. He's got more than the VG Cats guy drawing regular pictures. So if he went nude, he could at least double that. Easy, easy. I'm gonna say like, yeah, five to seven k probably. Easy money, but he's uh, he's not drawing it because he's sex negative. And it's I mean, easy to draw because you don't have to draw the clothes, you know. Like you're adding extra work. <laughs> you, by you don't clothes. have to draw the characters naked and then add the clothes over them. Like exactly, you normally that's what do. I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's half as much drawing. For well, what you gotta do is money. you you draw them nude and then you have like little uh, little paper cut out uh, clothes that you you glue on with a glue <laughs> stick, and then you take a picture of that and then you uh, you peel it off very slowly. Yeah, that, and that, then that picture you, picture you put and, on Twitter for free and then beneath it, yeah, that's the Patreon one. And it's actually stuck to it with cum. So that's a that's a bonus. And then you can sell that to a fan and they'll pay top dollar. Yeah, you want this drawing that I, I cummed on? Derek, what's the next question? Uh oh, here's a good question. So you decided to fade out. <laughs> <laughs> tell tell me about that process. Uh I mean, I guess didn't you know, want to end the song, huh? Didn't want yeah, to just have felt, an ending. I mean, I think Partly it's because it felt 60s-ish to me. In the 60s, everyone fucking faded everything out constantly. Okay, so there was actually thought behind why you kind faded of. out. Kind of. But then another great, thing is that like... Great question on my part. It was also kind of like, well, I'm just going to keep vamping those two chords and we'll see what happens once I make up the shit that goes on top of it, you know? Fade outs are good. They're underused now. One of the coolest moves that I do, like I've done very few times because you can't overdo it, is when you do the long fade out... And then you bring the volume way back up at the end for like a couple seconds. Needs a very particular type of song, though. I mean, then you got the fade in. Completely, completely different kind of thing. Yeah, the fade in is kind of cool when you can use that right. It's very experimental. But you it's fade like out least... in the middle of a song and then fade back in. The least cool fade Strawberry in is Fields the Forever. intro of the album. Like, if you can use a fade in partway through an album, like, that's cool, you know? 
Isn't that what more than a feeling does? Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. What I think the beginning head. fades in, which is like kind of whack. I gotta say. Yeah. That's a pretty whack move. That might be just, for the just, radio single edit. No, it's the regular one. No, I know. I that's just, the only I, ju edit. I just said that. I just made it up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's the only place anyone's ever heard that song. So that's the only edit. The radio edit. <laughs> yeah, very true. They actually, that's, they actually that's, didn't that sell it on vinyl. That song only makes sense just, within the context of the album. It was only sold to FM radio stations. So did you have like a couple songs like kicking around and you're like, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to flesh out this chord progression. Yeah. I mean, I think on the same day I did that one, I did like one or two others that are like fairly good. Okay. So you got a back catalog. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think my goal with this, I don't know how like Dan and Alex are going to approach it, but I'm kind of imagining that I'll try to have like a dozen ideas kicking around at any time, but I'll only really like work on one or two at a time. Like, oh fuck, I need to do something, you know? <laughs> What about you, Alex? What do you do? You have many ideas beyond the one you're going to do next. I have a lot of ideas kicking around. I never really finish songs. There are just too many possibilities. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm like putting you to the fucking grindstone here, where you could tell, you know, you don't release that many songs because you probably just like meticulously are thinking about them. But you kind of just got to be stupid and put them out, you know? Yeah, I yeah, really, I really liked gotta, your EP, Alex. Um, thank you. Yeah, it's really good. It I can't remember what it's called, Brockhampton or something. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> so you formed that band on the Mega Tokyo forums, right? Yeah, that's uh, me and uh, the VG Cats guy. <laughs> Just sending <laughs> tapes on the back Mega and Tokyo forth. forums. Do you know what? Uh, do you know what your song's going to be next week or next time, Alex? Oh, I've got a song about sucking off police officers. Yeah, out you, of respect. You thought I was joking, but it's true. Oh well, I can't wait to hear that one. Yeah, we're going to do a song yeah, every like two that. weeks because it's already too much work doing this shit. So every other week, we're just going to talk about shit. And then every other week, we're going to have a song. I think you could do a song every week. You just have to embrace the song sounding shittier. Well, we could always use someone else's song. Use someone else's song. Have uh, We could put out uh, Yeah, we could put out Crazy Town Butterfly, probably. Yeah, that song hasn't been put out in like 20 years. So if someone put it out now, people would probably be excited. <laughs> I mean, I think it's time for a re-release. Yeah. You just change the mixing a little bit, make it more modern. There you go. Compre let's compress it we a little talking, more. <laughs> we were talking about earlier about like doing an interview with the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> yeah. or like just ha having him well, so like, me and uh, Alex on a show or whatever. Chicken Foot, obviously the super group that had Chad Smith on drums. They're the same like parent label that put out their second album is the same label that just put out um, Dan's Operators record. So we were like, we should go through the label and get Chad Smith to talk about being part of Chicken Foot for like an hour, you know? But I was thinking about asking him to play the drum part from uh, Butterfly Crazy Town because that's a Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, sample, but they added the drums to it. So the original sample is just bass and guitar. Yeah, so it's a great idea. To, him, let's turn it back into the original Chili Peppers song. Let's get Anthony Keyes to sing over Crazy Town. Turn it back into a Red Hot Town. Chili Peppers song. Yeah, we'll just play Butterfly exactly as it is and then just have those two guys then, play over it. And then one of you guys can do uh, Red Hat Chili Peppers vocals over the top of it. It'll be the Crazy Town song, but with uh, that one guy's vocal style. What's his name? Anthony, Anthony Kiedis. Kiedis. Yeah. Friend of the show, Anthony Kiedis. One of the best <laughs> vocal styles. One of the best lyricists, too. I wish you'd ask me about his lyrics instead of my own, uh, Derek. All right, tell me something so, yeah, about I'm his gonna, lyrics. Uh, Anthony, I'm getting the impression that you, uh, you've you at least visited California. Well, I was born in Michigan. <laughs> uh, truth be told, I never left home, you know. 
just a good old boy, boy done good, you know, local boy done good. Um, it's kind of like how CCR never fucking left California and they just talked about Louisiana. I never left Michigan. That's the and I lamest just, shit of all time. I wrote about California constantly from Michigan, and that's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. The fact that, yeah, John Fogarty and all those guys, they just, well, you, just complete I love thinking about CCR and, like, the first time they were, like, big enough to go on tour and they went through Louisiana and they saw the bayou and they're like, what the fuck is this shit, you know? Like, <laughs> Wait we a minute. Like four this sucks this ass. It's all mosquitoes and leeches yeah, and that, shit. That'd be such a disappointing moment for them. <laughs> fuck this place. Going back to California. Yeah, this place sucks. Even worse than that, one level worse is the Hollies' uh, "Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress." Are you familiar with that song? No, no. It's like a latter latter career Holly song that sounds exactly like CCR. <laughs> that's awesome. It's just that, like, if you heard it, you would think it. Oh, that's a CCR song. It's it like sounds um, exactly like CCR. I mean, and they're British guys, so like British guys copying uh, copying Californian guys. Pretending to live in the bayou. It's incredible. Oh, man. My most hated shit is when uh, British artists do the, like, southern soulful affectation. It's so cool. Or, like, when, uh, like, in the 60s and 70s, every British rock band had, like, a uh, black lady backing singer. You know, yeah, doing, totally. like, wailing vocals. and just, Even, like, uh, Pink Floyd or something. sucks. Like, great gig in the sky. Just, Dark Side of the Moon kind of sucked. Yeah. No, I would I would push back that actually it's correctly rated. It's really good. The wall <laughs> sucks. The wall's terrible. The wall is really bad. But yeah, I'm a I'm a very into dark side, very anti wall guy. I mean, I listened to it a lot when I was like 14. I don't know. Maybe if I went back, the first Pink Floyd album is my favorite. Yeah, that one's really good. I like uh, metal. The first one, dark That's side. A good one. I mean, there's tons of good shit. They're awesome. Yeah, Even the shit just, in between those is great. Like, um, uh, what's the second album? What's, uh, Saucer Full of Secrets. There's great shit on there. Uh, my advice to anybody who hasn't listened to Pink Floyd is start at Division Bell and work your way backward. Listen to the one that they put out most recently, which is oh, like when the, as a tri- triple album instrumental as, thing. Like as a tribute to the keyboardist who died, they released the shitty outtakes from their last album as another album. Yeah, the stuff that didn't make it on the last album <laughs> didn't Which make is, it to the gee, album. No one on. liked. At least Radiohead had yeah, to get yeah. hacked in order to put out random shit. It's like Pink Floyd hacked themselves because they are hacks. Being a sellout yeah, is like hacking yourself, bruh. Pink Floyd, all those guys definitely have viruses on their computer. They've got <laughs> yeah, toolbars no galore. Those those old ass motherfuckers. They hundred percent. They never uninstalled uh, Bonsai. Buddy. They've got Dell laptops that run like all shit. that voted for Brexit. Like, I don't know if Roger None Waters of their grandkids did. talk to them. The other guy, I think, did. The rest of them are dead. Derek, do you have any more questions for me? Uh, which, which Wilco song inspired you the most? I mean, it kind of sounds like those albums, right? Like those recent ones. It's kind of like dad rocky, but like still cool guitar tones. You know what I mean? But everything's like a like, three minute little song. Here, here's a, here's a, I guess, a real question is like, do you, when you're writing a song, when you're putting it together, or do you, do you have, do you have bands in mind when you're honing a song or do you have like a specific band where it's like, oh, this I'm is the really barometer. Just, this should be at least as good as the shittiest Olivia I'm basically just trying to make sure that I personally haven't done it before. Like, I'm just trying to make sure that I haven't used this chord progression or like this particular idea like i don't know 
It's more and, like internally focused. Okay, so than... all right, here's here's a new question. What about this song is new for you that you haven't used in a song before? Is it the chord progression? Yeah, I'd say the progression and just trying to do like the simplest, catchiest melody possible that came to my mind. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like, again, I think my process for a while, like at least for the beginning of doing this show, I think I want to just like keep things simple, three minutes, easy, try to come up with something yeah. catchy and fun. And then Poppy. once I get bored of that, I'll start doing like weirder shit again. Do some unwound style shit. Dude. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know Dan's a big fan of them too. We should. How can we I mean, even talk shit on Dan while he's not here? We should like start off on the right foot by really like making him feel like shit for volunteering to be a part of this. Uh, what Wolf Parade song most inspired you <laughs> to write this song? Uh, the the shortest one is no, you don't have to listen to it. Yeah, as as long. Unless the shortest one was by Spencer, then it's good. <laughs> that guy's uh probably my favorite uh member of that band to podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> you have to include shit like this on every episode Dan isn't in, so that way you'll know if he listened to it or not. Yeah, exactly. It's a test. And we're going to keep talking shit on you on the episodes you're not in. And I'll never know. Derek's actually a Charles character. Yeah. I invented the character He's not a real of Derek. guy. It's very annoying to uh, record this episode because we had to do it twice with me doing each voice. Yeah. I put like a really shitty voice modulator on to sound like an idiot. Yeah, you just put a bunch of peanut butter in your mouth, and it's like, uh, you get this voice. You got any more questions for me, Derek? <laughs> that's that's how you trick. That's how you trick a dog into making out with you, <laughs> putting a bunch of peanut butter in your mouth. <laughs> Trying to get the first it's a base with trick. my dog. The guy from VG Cats should draw uh, sexualized things of that with dogs. Yeah, making out with a human with just crunchy ass Jif peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and branded content that's sponsored by Jif on there, man. This is the only brand I use when I'm tricking a dog into making out with me. (laughs) I think on that note, we've really uh, stuck to the topic at hand. We've really enlightened people on this episode. So, you know, we'll see you on the next uh, fucking stupid episode of this. Bye.